Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 26, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 84, paragraph 3. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps of Overeaters Anonymous, Diane G., the Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, Nancy S., and reading the text for us today, Carol G., Chelsea H., and Larry K. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, May 25, 2015, is 7665. 7665. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, a recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. <clears throat> sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for a knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compuls- compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. Thank you very much. 
I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? I can. Good morning. Okay, thank you. The 12 Traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communications. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service and I pass. Thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 84, paragraph 3, and I will ask Carol G. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. It's Carol G. Recovered in England. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. React sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude towards liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. 
We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So as I say, I'm Carol, I'm recovered by the grace of God. Thank you and welcome visionaries. Welcome to your day. Um, I'm focusing in on um, the paragraph where it says we're neither cocky or are we afraid. And for me, cockiness is something that I've suffered from because I was always thinking about how I looked and what my performance would be like. And even as a recovered person, and I remember getting to this part of the part of the work and thinking, what is the image I have of myself now? And if I get an image of myself, I begin trying to live up to great expectations that only exist in my mind's eye, and I can get myself all wrapped up in knots. So I, I can't afford to be cocky, and I can't afford to be afraid either. And I remember all that time that I spent running to the food, running away from the food, and running back to the food. And now all my blocks, all the things have been discarded in the previous steps and I'm in God's hands. And I just have to take it from there. I don't I don't um make a very good passenger. Um I do complain sometimes about the way in which God's directing me, but the the base baseline for me is that I'm not cocky and I'm not challenging God and I'm not afraid of what God's got, got in store for me either. In that sentence there somewhere, there is a little bit about being in fit spiritual condition that I will react in a very gentle, neutral kind of way as long as I am in fit spiritual condition. And I didn't realize that the spirit actually had a condition, and it does. And for us in OA, I've discovered that through this work, my spiritual condition is the the being blocked, the being unblocked, that's the condition. So now that I've been unblocked and I'm at one with this higher power and I'm having a sort of a connection with this higher power, I'm in this unblocked state, which means this is a very great condition for me to be in. But I haven't for one moment to let up on, uh, on any of that spiritual um, progress because I have to remember that it can get blocked again, and that's why we're talking about step 10 at the moment. So it's almost like um, my heart has a condition. My heart has a condition, and it likes to be in fit spiritual condition. And if I don't walk, and if I don't walk, talk, and do physical exercise and move, then that's going to deteriorate. And so my spiritual condition can actually deteriorate as well even in the given day. So I wake up every single morning and the reset button in my mind has begun again and I can't afford to say, well, I did all my step 10s yesterday. I don't really need to do them today because today is a brand new day. And well, I did meditate and spend some time working with others yesterday, but I think I'll take a day off. I can't really take a day off because this is a brand new day. It's a day when I have to take into the day all the things that I've been doing in the past has now become my present. Living in this moment, I can practice the principles, I can work out the steps, I can experience all this wonderful reality that I'm now being reintroduced to. I can spend time working with others, but only if my condition of my spirit remains unblocked. If I'm unblocked, I'm fit. And if I'm fit to work with others, that's how people need me to be. Because if I carry a mess instead of a message, 
um, you know, it's not going to be helpful for the program, it's not going to be helpful for the individual, and it certainly won't be helpful to my higher power. And I thank you so much for the meeting, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Carol G. And just to let you know that our focus to begin our sharing today will start on page 85, the 10th line down from the top, starting as we are neither cocky nor are we afraid, and stops with fit spiritual condition. So we can begin our sharing there today with our experience. Who would like to comment on this paragraph, or those three lines, rather, today? This is Charles H. Can I go like fourth because I'm still on the bus? Sure. You betcha. Thanks, Charles. Anybody else today? This is Katie F. Can I share? Hi. Yes, Katie. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. Good morning. This is Katie F. Oh. Sounds like we have somebody else, Katie. Can you hang on just one second, please? Is that you, Melissa? Did I hear you? Yes. Thank you, Melissa C. Thank you. Okay. Great, thanks so much. Okay, Katie, thank you. Okay, good morning. I'd love to portion because it is exactly as Carol Katie, having a hard time hearing you. You're kind of cutting in and out this morning. Okay. Let's see if we can have maybe Melissa until you get through that dead spot there, and then we'll get back to you, Katie. Okay, okay. Yeah, we just can't hear you at all this morning. Sorry about that. Melissa C., can you step in? Sure, sure. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Yes, thank you. Okay, great, great. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, uh, not cocky, um, and, um, and, and, but I have a healthy respect for this disease. Um, you know, I, the other night I was um, speaking with someone in the program, um, you know, doing uh, that important 12-step work, which is how I stay spiritually fit. I have no reason to have this beautiful recovery unless I'm happy to share it with other people. And that's it's such a, an honor and a gift. And um, and it keeps me really um, in respect for my disease when I can hear someone else in another phase of their recovery. And, um, you know, so as I'm talking to that person, my son is asking me to make him a Sunday, <laughs> you know, in the background. And I, and I realize as I'm, you know, making him this food, um, which was, you know, my, which was my God at one time, you know, I could, I, I would never want to talk on the phone if there was ice cream around, you know, screw you all, leave me alone with my, with my, with my substance. And, um, you know, but I could do this without any resentment, without any, you know, I, I, there, it didn't even have um, a, a fluttering thought in my brain about any of it, you know. But I, but I have a respect enough for the disease to know that I don't lick my finger, you know, for whatever. I know that this for me is toxic, is poison, um, 
But as long as I stay in spiritual fit condition, I don't want the poison. And, and that's just unbelievable to, um, to live today with um, God as my God and food as my just nutrition. And it's not my God today. And um, I'm so grateful with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Anybody else like to share on this paragraph this morning? Reva P. This is Janice. Jan- Janice M. Okay, thank you. I have Reva P. and Janice M. Anybody else? Did I hear anyone else? Maybe not. Okay, Reva P., would you go first and then Janice? Good morning. My name is Reva P., recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, these sentences brought back lots of remember whens for me. The word cocky reminds me of the part in Bill's story where he says he had arrived. Um, And I need to be careful because once the food is down and the weight is stable, um, it's easy to get cocky and say, whoa, I have arrived. Look at this woman. Um, And that's really dangerous. So these promises remind me that's not how it is. Um, I'm just in this position of neutrality and peaceful, um, and I get granted the humility to remain in gratitude for my healthy, um, slim body. Um, And then the business of afraid. When I first got abstinent, I was so afraid I was going to go back out there. I was afraid, I'm embarrassed to say, I was afraid to sit at... um, face-to-face meetings next to people who were extremely heavy because I thought I was going to catch it, um, which was quite insane. Um, And again, that's not what um, the promise promises me. And then the whole business of having a condition. You know, if I had, God forbid, some very serious medical condition and a doctor said to me, I have a magic pill and this will, you know, keep your condition in remission, I'd be so there. I would take that pill. But when OA says, here's, here's your medicine, you know, do these things and you will be in recovery, um, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to hesitate. But really it is like taking a daily medicine. Um, and if I had a medical condition, I would never think, oh, today I won't take my heart pill because I don't feel like I have a heart condition today. Um, So I just need to do what I need to do. As it says in the following paragraph, um, 24 hours is what the medicine lasts for, and then the next day I take it again so that I get to live um, in recovery. So I'm very grateful. Um, I just need to do the simple step work, um, not analyze my life, and then things uh, work out and I get granted these amazing promises. Uh, That's all I'd like to share, and uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Janice M., you're next. Yes, good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone on the line. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. We just got finished reading about the neutrality. You know, we're in a place of neutrality. Okay, when my car is in neutral, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going up or I'm not going down. It's just staying still. Now, if I'm cocky, then that means I did it for me. This is just me. Oh, I used to be cocky because I felt like I had the best food plan. 
I lost the best weight. I look, you know, that's being cocky. And, you know, now that I know it's being recovered, I didn't even do that myself. So I can't be cocky. What am I going to be cocky about? Because I didn't do it. So I have to be very, very careful. Neither uh, do I have to be afraid. Because, see, I have a relationship now with my higher power. Before it was all about me. But I'm in a different, different developmental stage here. You know, I am a recovered, grateful recovered. And I have a new relationship with my higher power. You know, and, um, yeah, being on the beam, the fight is over. You know, because God is doing this for me. But if I am go one way or the other and I get back into my disease by uh, not doing my 10th step, that's not keeping in fit spiritual condition. Because if I'm selfish and dishonest and resentful or any one of those or afraid, um, you know, fearful, there's no trust there in a higher power. And that's not a fit spiritual condition. So I'm no longer afraid because I, fear is not knowing the results in the future. As long as I keep doing what I'm still doing today, you know, doing my meditations, whatever, keeping practicing these 12 steps to the best of my ability, doing service, you know, and having a God in my life that I can lean on, that I can trust. I can't be afraid. If you trust, why be afraid? If you're afraid, why trust? So, you see, it all comes from God. So I can't be cocky and I can't be afraid. And when I feel that way, I have to call on my higher power because that's my spiritual condition so I won't go back to the food. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melanie and everyone. Thank you, Janice, so much. Thank you. I wanted to call on Charles H. Are you available now or should we move on? I'm up and running, Melanie. You are great, great. Thank you. It's your turn then. And I did hear you more. I'll have you go right after Charles. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very very much for your service, Melanie. See, my name is Charles. It's a recovered visionary just today. We are neither cocky or afraid. Um, So, so, so that's step 10. And uh, that's in, that's, for me, that's in the middle. That's right in the center. And, you know, I just wanted to go back a little bit where, you know, nine-step promises, they will always materialize if I work for them. Well, I know what 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 else will materialize if I don't work. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to use this analogy. Um, we've all seen, and, and hopefully we have all seen, the FedEx um, symbol, you know, where it says FedEx. And between... But I don't know if you, and I've never seen this before yesterday, so this is just, this is new. Between the E and the X, there's an arrow. So you could, you could, you could diagnose that after this meeting if you want or whatever, but I've never seen that before. But now that I've seen it, um, I can't look at it differently anymore. So, you know, I've experienced white knuckle abstinence so many times. But, you know, receiving recover, being in a recovered state of mind, I can go back. But now that I see recover, a recovered state of mind, I don't want to go back to white-knuckle abstinence. And, you know, I, I'm neither cocky or afraid. i got to be an essential. And I know why I, know why I got a bright idea um, in, in the past because I rested. I can't rest. See, I can't rest. See, the 10th step won't allow me to rest. 
you know, if there's some things um, on the radar that needs to be disintegrated one day at a time so I can get back to the middle. You know, it ain't got to be the altar. It may be the altar for, you know, but I got to be in the middle. My ego is altered, so I need to get it centered again. You know, I need to be between that one and that zero, maybe 0.5. I don't know, 50%. I need to be in the middle. I got to be in the middle. I can't be on, I can't, you know, maybe in this retrospect, I have to straddle the fence. I can't be on either side. I can't be cocky. I remember being cocky. I was 500 pounds cocky. Um, I can't be afraid because I was 550 pounds afraid. So I just got to, you know what, every single day I got to check myself before I wreck myself. You know, and, and, and to be brutally honest, every single day I seek recovery, I'm self-seeking. And I don't know if it will ever change because I'm not a higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles. <clears throat> Pardon me. Mara Z, you're next. Melanie, did you call me, Mara Z? I did. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so very much for your service this morning. Um, we are neither cocky nor afraid. That is how, that is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual conditions. And I just wanted to relate what happened to me last year, and that was um, just about a year ago, May, in fact. Um, I had arrived. I was recovered. Um, And so, you know, I was just going along my life, and I was sponsoring. And I was, you know, occasionally doing an 11th step and occasionally doing a 10th step, but not really getting it. And then, lo and behold, life happened, and slowly the slippery slope appeared before me, and I was down at the bottom again because I had not done what I had been instructed to do. I had not done daily 10 steps. I had not done daily 11 steps. And sponsoring was just feeding my ego at that point. Look at me. I'm recovered. So this time around, when I went back through the steps again with a recovered sponsor, this time around... I at least have learned that lesson. Now, I have to learn that lesson every day. I have to remind myself as I awake every morning, this is not your day, this is God's day. And I ask him, how can I better serve you and my fellows? Please give me what I I need to serve you and my fellows. So I've now begun to start my day with prayer and meditation. And that's how I do my 11th step. And in the evening, I do a run-through of my day. What did I miss today? What could I have done a 10-step on that I didn't? Now let me address it. Because if I don't, I'm going to wind back up on the bottom of that slope. And I spent too many years of my life on the bottom of that slope. And it was not fun. And I have a wonderful, blessed life right now. And I'm going to do absolutely everything that I'm supposed to do in order to maintain my fit spiritual condition. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Thank you, Maura. I'd like Michelle, to offer um, an opportunity for... Oh, I'm sorry, who is this? Rochelle. Larry, I hear Larry and Rochelle. Rochelle. Renata. I hear you, Renata. Can Let's you hear me? with that, please. Who is this? Christy M. Chrissy M. Okay, I will take one more before we move on. Thank you. We'll start with you, Larry Kay. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Um, Larry Kay, recovered, also over here from Chicago. Thank you for your service. Um, 
you know, fear is an interesting phenomena. You know, it's part of part of you know my human experience. Uh, you know, and when I when I first came into program before I understood because I did I didn't understand that this was a process of change of transformation and that at the core of the process at the foundation of it all steps that I had to I I didn't know what I didn't know and one of the things I didn't know is that you had to see the steps through and if you saw the steps through that some form of of, of transformation a spiritual awakening would occur so. What I was working was tools, and I and I was a very diligent worker of tools. Um, and I can remember one of my, you know, where fear comes to mind for me is early in program. I was going to be driving to Florida, Chicago, and uh, you know, and I, I I packed all my meals. They were weighed and measured. I had all my phone numbers with me, you know, in my cell phone. I had my my you know, my CDs, uh, you know, and, and all the plans to listen to all the speakers. And, of course, I would call into phone meetings, and I had everything planned. Call my sponsor every day. I knew those tools. I had an action plan, so forth. Yet I was riddled with fear, fear that I, because I knew, I knew that I could, you know, that I could only hold my breath underwater. I could only distract myself for so long. And that was the core of my fear. And you know what? I was right about that. Because despite, you know, the cooler being packed with weighted measured food and, you know, and stopping every, you know, uh, for meals and so forth, um, you know, I would come up for air for me. And there would come a, a time, as there always was, you know, I was a very disciplined person in certain areas of my life. No, it's not. It's not. We got gotcha. you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, but the, uh, but I think, you know, for me, what happened was is that when I came to learn, and, and of course, I binged my way up and down the interstate um, at some point and said, you know, screw it. You know, that if you had that you know, that thought before, well, I, I did many times. And, of course, that was just one more bit of evidence that I could do this. And either there was some something wrong with me or there was something wrong with this program. And, quite frankly, I, w- I would rather believe there was something wrong with the program than me. It's very painful to believe that there was something wrong with me. But, you know, thank God, you know, I learned by listening and, and, and the disease beat me. It pummeled me. Uh, eventually, not for years, but it pummeled me into a state of reasonableness. I couldn't tell you when that point was. It wasn't like, you know, I was hit by a bolt of lightning, but it did come for me. It, it wasn't your voice. It was none of my, my first eight sponsors. They they, they, didn't, they were all beautiful people, but they didn't. The disease lashed me good. And, uh, you know, today, um, you know, I don't, I don't have that fear. Uh, I don't wonder when I'm going to pick up. You know, I know that as, as long as I remain in fit spiritual condition, and I don't have a fear about remaining in fit spiritual condition. It's interesting. It's very interesting what happens when you have a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And God, God brings that about. But Janice, I, I didn't effectuate. I didn't bring about that change. I just, I just carried my buckets of water and shot my wood, whatever metaphor you want to use. And then uh, transformation came. Uh, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. 
your advice back and gave mine back. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Rochelle, you're next. Can you give me the first initial of your last name? Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. How about the first initial of your last name, please? M. M. Great. I'm in Maryland. Great. That's what. Okay. Great. Thank and you. Good morning to you. Welcome. Usually, I'm in Maryland when I call, but today I'm in New Jersey, so um, it's so exciting to be alive. And what I what I want to share is about this. And I don't have the big book in front of me right now, but the idea of being cocky or fearful. It just seems to be: Do I turn to the left or do I turn to the right? And me, I'd like to have the middle path, which is what which which is what uh, this program offers me. And it's so so interesting how. I've heard people compare this to peeling the onion, you know, going deeper and deeper through the different layers and in recovery. And, and I'm so grateful to be in my, my eighth year of recovery. And uh, and the nicest thing is I, I never used to know what I, you know, I'd hear somebody, if somebody gave me a compliment, I just did not know how to take it. It would go, like, swell my head, you know, or if there was something to be afraid about, I would just get really fearful. But um, now I understand. Now I understand that um, when someone gives me a compliment, they like something I did or something I said, it's not me. It's from my higher power. And I have, when they give me a compliment, instead of getting a squirrel head, it's like the opposite. I get a sense of humility, like, thank you, God, for letting me do your will. And it, it's such a nice place to be, to understand what is humility as opposed to what is arrogance. And and to that for that I have program to thank and uh, with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle M. And Renata G, you're next. Hi, Melanie. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G, recovered compulsive reader in New York. I also want to share on we're neither cocky nor we are afraid. Mm. And what came up to me this morning is you know how. What what does it represent to me today? You know, not to be cocky. It means that I I do my step ten, eleven, and twelve on daily basis. You know, because I know that I don't have the power to stay out of this disease. And so whenever, you know, I do my daily practices, I'm surrendering. You know, I'm dem- I I'm admitting my my powerlessness. I'm um, you know, taking step two again, right? Like admitting that I need a power greater than myself to 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 keep me sane now, right? Because these promises are are true. And so you know, by living in ten, eleven, and twelve, I I exit not being cocky. You know, I know that I don't have the power. The difference is that today I have access to the power, and that you know makes me not be fearful. I'm not fearful that I'm going to pick up or if I'm going to have lunch out with friends, I'm going to be tempted or, you know, maybe I'm going to break my abstinence or if I go away on a trip, I'm going to break. No, I'm not afraid because the relationship I have with my higher power is real. The steps gave it to me and I work on that relationship every single day. And I truly believe this big book. It took me a few years to to be willing to do the steps, but, you know, when I did them, they worked. You know, everything changed. So I have experience. I have faith today that whatever this big book says, it works. If I do exactly what it says, it works. 
And so I'm not afraid. You know, I know that as long as I trust God, clean house and help others, I'm not going to eat. It's not even going to cross my mind, you know, and um, and that's how I stay in fit spiritual condition. And the book says that if I do stay in fit spiritual condition, this promises will keep being true in my life. And so far it has worked. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Christy M. Press star one, Chrissy M. Hi, Chrissy M. Compulsive recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, the relationship that I have with my higher power is the attitude that I've had in the past towards life that's been cocky, or towards God, and, or afraid of God, or afraid of life, and and so I. I made a lot of decisions based on that, and decisions based on that set me set myself up for all sorts of trouble, and and the the residual effects of all of that were that I needed to cope, I needed to eat to cope, and I found other coping mechanisms that were just as self-destructive, and so you know to kind of back out of that, you know, put down the food first, put down the coping mechanisms and get a different attitude towards life and my higher power, which is one of reliance and co co creation um is is awesome. When when I say when I used to have a good idea in my head in the past before I had a connection it would be oh um yeah that let's just do that I was all on my own. It was me, myself and I and now you know, maybe I used to get other people's feedback, you know, just because I, I wanted to survey the landscape, see who had what I wanted out of life and how I'm going to get it, you know, how I'm going to manage and wrestle satisfaction out of life. But now it's a communication with God that this is not my, I really had a spiritual awakening. I really believe this life is not, it's not only mine to live. It's my responsibility to live it. But I need a relationship with my creator. I I I don't need it out of fear. I don't need it because I'm special and I have a special connection to God that other people don't have. It's just the truth of my life. It's a fact that I've been created and there's a, a living, loving creator that exists in relationship with me every day. So it would it would it's I'm not cocky or afraid because it's there and I can't escape from it. I can't lose it. I can't unrelate myself to it. It just is there. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy M. Let's move on now to the next paragraph. And I'll ask Chelsea to please read the first paragraph on page 85 and reflect on that. Okay. Thank you, Melanie, and thanks for your service. Thank you. I'm Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism, 
What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. (laughs) This is really, um, for me, a paragraph that I have to look at daily, even sometimes throughout the day, because I'm not always, as the book tells me, I won't be inspired to do the work, because sometimes I do want to rest on what I've already done. Sometimes I don't even want to be bothered with hearing anything about, and that's just, I have to be honest about that. Sometimes that that does crop up, but the reality for me today is that the way I react is different to that reality. The way that I react now is that I say the reason I feel that way is because self has showed up again. I'm out of neutral. I'm now deciding that something should be a certain way. So for me to keep my uh, spiritual fitness, and that's what this is really saying to me because I'm not cured, it's in order for me to get that daily reprieve, that stay of execution, I have to do work. I have to exercise. It says we can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. Practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice, practice. And it's the exercising of it, the constant working of it, because my willpower is still weak. I'm, I'm, I'm just weak, too, and new in all this fellowship and actually doing the work and actually living the so many principles that are throughout this book that every day I have to practice it because I want to fall back on my natural wiring, which is to be selfish, self-centered, and self-seeking, and totally dishonest at times. So in order for me to do that, I have to work with others, it tells me. So what do I do? I, what I do is I get centered in the morning. I follow the instructions that are coming later with how we go about um, working and getting up and what we do for the next 24 hours. And I have to work with others. So how do I do that? Well, one of the ways that I'm learning now is when I connect more with Didi about what should I, what can I do? How can I best serve the healing spirit of the universe who's placed me in this position of serenity? And I'm finding now that I need to reach across the aisle much more with my brothers and sisters who are still, um, you know, sick and suffering. And a lot of them are really into the OA portion, the literature of the OA. And I want to just bang the big book. But one of the things I'm finding is that the OA 12 and 12 is really helping me to make my connection with our fellowship. This OA 12 and 12, on ver- just right on the outset, in their introduction, the same as the big book, on IX, the very first thing it says is, we of Overeaters Anonymous have found in this fellowship a way to recover from the disease of compulsive overeating. And their solution is the program of recovery, a program of 12 simple steps. I'm so grateful to be able to have the willingness to, to take my big book, 
mark up my OA 12 and 12, use it the same way I use the AA 12 and 12 as commentary on the big book. It's helping me so much. And another thing that's helping me is to be tolerant, loving and tolerant. The new Brown book is out, OA Brown book. A lot of people love it. I want to reach them too. I've been reading it. There's a lot of new stories that I've never read before from the others. I've marked them. I've marked them with my big book so I can know how to live my truth and still reach out to others. And I'm so grateful for that. And thanks for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Chelsea. Who would like to share on that particular paragraph this morning? Paragraph 1 on 85. It looks like we would have time for probably three people. Kathy Kay. Hi, good morning, Kathy Kay. Anybody else before we start with you, Kathy, that would like to share on that paragraph? Suji. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. We'll take those three and see where we end up. Thank you so much. Good morning, Kathy Kay. We'll start with you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, visionaries. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Uh, the sentence that stands out for me, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And, um, you know, for so many years, <clears throat> I really didn't pay attention to this sentence um, and really appreciate what it involves to maintain my spiritual condition. I had to actually experience a relapse after I went through the first nine steps. Uh, it was a short relapse, but nonetheless, uh, it was a big wake-up call that I could not rest on my laurels, and I had to really be diligent about practicing 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. And what I want to say is at first, um, it was really a challenge for me to find the time and do the drill and make sure I did an 11-step review at night and um, make sure I had people I could um, do service with and so on. Um, And by and by, it became as natural as brushing my teeth. So uh, for me, it's been a matter of developing new habits. And as long as I keep practicing them on a daily basis, um, I stay in fit spiritual condition. And I also want to say it does not mean I don't encounter my character defects. Um, The difference is I know exactly what to do in terms of my step work when those once again appear. Um, So I'm very, very grateful. This is such a practical program of recovery. And it's just a matter of willingness and humility. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Suji, you're next. Hi, it's Suji, recovered in suburban city of brotherly and sisterly love. And in this, what what strikes me, and thanks everybody for your service and for sharing all of that. Um, Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities to to continue with the next sentence. So go back to the first sentence, resting on my laurels. Well, 
yeah, um, at first I thought, wow, now I have a plan of eating. Congratulations. Oh, let's have a party. And and it wasn't the eating that was the problem. It was the plan of eating and my self-congratulatory attitude, which didn't work and which which when I remember the daily reprieve and I remember that every day I need to have a different vision from this vision of mine, which is congratulations, Sue. In fact, one finger points at someone else who's not doing so well and three point back at me and, as was said on Sunday, actually four pointing back at me. So I have to stop that and and have a view, a vision, a dream, something that isn't going to be realized right this minute, but that I can work toward because this is a program of progress, not perfection. It's a program where we think, where, where we really ask ourselves, is it thoughtful, is it honest, is it intelligent, is it necessary, or is it just sufficient, and is it kind? Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Suji. Ronnie P., are you there? It's your turn. I am. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Ronnie, a uh, recovered uh, compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, the two paragraphs we just read dovetail together so beautifully. You know, the first one says we will be neither cocky nor afraid. And I realized that I would waffle between the two because each one was absolutely certain. And what I wanted was certainty. So if I'm afraid, then I'm certain that something terrible is going to happen or has happened. And if I'm cocky, I am certain that nothing bad will happen. Um, And uh, both of them have to do with certainty. And that brings me into the next paragraph about keeping in fit spiritual condition. If I'm in in fit spiritual condition, um, I don't need to be certain about anything. The only thing, actually, I guess I do need to be certain about is that God has my back. You know, God's got me. My higher power has me. And the only way for me to uh, to live with the uncertainty of my decisions and the total trust of surrendering to something bigger is to keep in fit spiritual condition, you know. Um, it brings me back in my own head to... You know, the step made the decision to turn our will and lives over to the God, over to the care of God as we understand Him, and that means I turn over my thoughts and my actions. So, if I turn over my thoughts and my actions to God, then the only certainty is God's, and all I have to do is hold still and let God show me what it is. And um, and if I do feel afraid, I take that to God. If I do feel cocky, I take that to God. And I say, please remove this ego, please remove this fear, so that I can better hear what you've got in store for me today, or in this moment, or in this situation. Um, so um, anyway, that's all I got. Thanks a lot. Pass. Thank you, Ronnie P. And the situation allows for at least one more share this morning. Who else would like to comment before we close? This is Katie F. Oh, hi, Katie. Welcome back. Good morning. Katie F., your turn. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater, and I just love this section of the book because it, you know, to me exemplifies, explains why there's someone on here with one year of abstinence or, you know, as the case for me, 27 years of abstinence that we we are never cured, that we have to keep um, 
feeding ourselves spiritually the same way we feed ourselves with the food and we exercise and we um, do all of the things that God designed for us to do to, to be sustained. And, you know, I can have an aha moment um, today that may be something I heard about, you know, 20 years ago, but for some reason it just penetrates my heart in a different way today so that I can use that truth to get me through today. And, you know, I feel like in our culture, um, you know, we have so much, and so we're always looking for, you know, what we're doing now and what uh, our our quick fix and our, um, you know, just everything is supposed to be fast and furious and, and uh, complete. And that is not the way God designed us to be in our spiritual lives and in our physical lives. I mean, we can't eat on Monday and then, you know, just wait and have another meal on Friday. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. But I did, I fought that concept. I wanted to be um, able to just figure this all out, figure out why I ate, and then I would know why I ate, and so then I can avoid that, whatever that was. And it, it just does not work that way. And I was... Um, just so surprised when I woke up um, from this slumber of compulsive overeating and uh, a life of mayhem and was able to live neutrally with food. You know, as, as people have shared this morning, I mean, I am not cocky and afraid of food today. Um, I need to eat my breakfast. I need to get ready for work. I need to do all these things. Um, and I'm not having to, you know, try on 12 outfits because I binged all Memorial Day weekend and I'm, you know, my clothes are snug. I mean, there's so many gifts that I get from this program. And, but there are, um, there are things that I do. I stay in fit condition by reaching out to others, by connecting with my higher power on a daily basis. And I'm just so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that brings us to the end of our meeting this morning. Thank you so much to all those that shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Larry, would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Mary Kay, are you with us this morning? Am I being heard? Larry, are you there? Oh, I'm here. I'm sorry, Melanie. You are, Melanie. We can hear you. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Hi, Larry. Um, If you're able, would you please read page 164 for us for closing? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you countless others. 
this is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.